You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of plan investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Who will save Generation X is filmed before a live studio audience. Ready? See if you can identify these five clips in the order that they are played. It could be from a song, a movie, a TV show, or something else. But if it's coming from this podcast, then you know that it's from Generation X. If our guest gets it wrong on the show, then I'll explain how you can enter to win a fabulous prize package. Listen closely. Good luck. Welcome to Who Will Save Generation X, the trivia game show that is dedicated to remembering, celebrating, and preserving all the wonderful qualities of Generation X through games, trivia, and friends. I am Xavier, host, and today we are back with our next single-player edition of the show we call The Home Game. This alternative format of the show gives you a chance to play at home with a friend or by yourself, as well as giving you your fix of Gen X trivia in between regular episodes of the show. Here's how we play. Each episode, we invite a special guest and let them set the benchmark score for you to try and beat. Each round has a different game for you to try out, and at the end, you can compare your score with that of our special guest benchmark and earn your rank on the quiz. Happy anniversary, everybody! This is our two-year anniversary show. It's hard to believe that it's already been two years, but here we are. I'm thrilled to say that this episode, we once again have a live studio audience joining us for the game and to celebrate the occasion. The audience is made up of our Patreon supporters and former guests on the podcast and VIP special guests. Thanks for being here. It's an exclusive group that we welcome you to join us during the recording of the show. It's just one way that we show our gratitude for those who support the podcast through our Patreon account. Two dollars. Look, the show would not exist without our Patreon supporters, so thank you for your generous donations to the show. 100% of the money that we've received over the last two years have gone back into the podcast to upgrade equipment, pay for the prizes on the show, and also just to fund the expenses that come along with running a podcast. Most podcasts never make a dime. In fact, most lose money. But I'm grateful to say that so far we can afford to pay our own way for the production of the show. And we hope one day to make a career out of it and not have to work our day jobs. But for now, our goal is just to have enough money left over to take the judges out to dinner and a movie every once in a while. How's that sound to you, judges? We would be honored if you would join us. But we'll count our blessings for those generous folks out there who support our Patreon account that afford us to at least not go broke uh, while we're trying to save the fun things of Generation X from going extinct. Thank you. Our special guest this episode is the host of a rad podcast that examines people and stories of different generations and tries to find the common ground that they have with Generation X. The podcast is called Gen X Voice. Please welcome back to the show, Trish the Dish. 
Hi, Trish. Thanks for coming back to the show. Hey, oh my gosh, Dave. It's so great to be back. And, you know, I was going to run into the other room and get the prize that I won when I was on the show last time. I don't know if we can pause for like a second. I know exactly where it is. This is the world's most edited podcast. Trish, go for it. Okay, I'll be right back. And we will then... all wait just for you. <laughs> right. Okay, Trish, back to you. Okay. Don't rush me, Sonny. You rush a miracle, man, you get a lot of miracles. Did you guys all hear that? This is what I got. <laughs> it's a Princess Bride keychain, and I absolutely love it. And Michael and Dana were there when I got the battery for it, and we were so excited. And we, I mean, you can ask them, like, for about a year straight, I just would be like, <sighs> I love it. I love it so much. So I'm ready to win again and kick some ass. And I'm all out of bubble because that's what I'm here to do. Hey, Trish, did you need to get new batteries for that keychain? Because the batteries for that Princess Bride sound box were only mostly dead. Exactly. They were only mostly dead. And so I decided to go to Max and get some wind pumped back into it. And boom, it was ready to storm the castle. Well, great. So listeners, let's see if you can outscore this highly knowledgeable Gen Xer or see if you need to go back and refresh your memory of the cool stuff from our youth. The power struggle. In the opening of this episode, you heard five quick clips from Generation X. The game is called The Power Struggle, and in this game, you need to name those five clips in the order that they were played. If you get all five correct, then you will be bumped up an entire letter grade and rank at the end of the quiz. Think of this sort of as an extra credit question to help you out with your score. There's no penalty if you get it wrong, but if our special guest gets it wrong here on the show, then we are going to open it up to all of you listening to contact the show to see if you can get it correct. All correct entries to contact the podcast via our newsletter who can correctly identify the clips will be put in a drawing to win a prize package from the show. So stick around to see if Trish can get the Power Struggle question correct or not. Then I'll explain how you can send in your entry and try and win the prize. Good luck. You know, Trish, as Gen Xers, we all have experienced moments in our lives where we just don't want to deal with other people's bullcrap. In these moments, we sometimes throw up our hands, roll our eyes and say, whatever. To honor this time-loved tradition of Generation X, If at some point during the episode you feel apathetic about answering a question, you can use your whatever lifeline and appeal to the live studio audience we have here tonight and ask them to give you a clue that could help you answer the question. So, audience, be ready to give Trish the Dish a clue should she ask for it, and we'll see if our audience is clueless or not. Whatever. Trish, you only get one whatever lifeline, so use it wisely. There are a total of 30 points available in this episode. So everyone, please keep track of your score and we'll see how well you did versus our special guest benchmark at the end of the episode. Enough talk. So that's enough talking about it. Let's do it. It's time to see if you can save Generation X from fading into oblivion. Round one. Round one is our trivia round. Each complete correct answer is worth two points. If you think you could convince the judges to give you a partial credit for your answer, you can award yourself one pity point for your partial correct response. We'll use the honor system here. Good luck. Live studio audience, though, you don't get the honor system. You're right in front of me. So if you think you get partial credit, you can throw a hand up and we'll uh, we'll see about that. First question is called, you're going to make it after all. It's a television question. The Mary Tyler Moore Show was a groundbreaking sitcom, especially for women and the feminist movement during the 1970s. Mary, an independent, single working woman, was a rare thing for a main character on TV at the time. And much of the supporting cast was made up of women in great roles. You had Rhoda, Mary's equally independent upstairs neighbor and best friend. Phyllis, their snobbish landlady and political activist. And starting in season four, there was Sue Ann Nivens, Mary's judgmental and man-hungry co-worker, Sue hosts the Happy Homemaker Show, and her sweet on-air persona is at odds with her real personality. Here's the question, Trish. What iconic American actor played Sue Ann Nivens? Hell yeah, it's Betty White, the goddess. Are you kidding me? And also Mary Tyler Moore is the reason why I, as a single woman living alone, can do this because she paved a way for us to do that. So... It's like one of my favorite all-time shows. Yeah, Mary Tyler Moore was certainly groundbreaking. Absolutely. You got that correct? Well done. Here's the fun fact. Did you know Mary Tyler Moore had already played a popular character on TV before being pitched the idea of her own show? She played Laura Petrie, wife of the main character for the much-beloved Dick Van Dyke show. This gave Moore some pause when considering the premise of her own show, as production was worried audiences would confuse her new character with Laura from the Dick Van Dyke show. Originally, the show was going to be about a divorcee, But instead, it was changed to a broken engagement as a show about a divorced woman was too progressive for the times. 
Okay, let me pull back the curtain here a little bit. <clears throat> I had a very silly and immature joke planned to tell at this point of the show in reference to the Dick Van Dyke show. But the judges made me take it out at the last minute, fearing that it might offend some people who listen to this family friendly show. I pointed out that there's a double standard here that it's okay for a show to be called Dick Van Dyke, but I'm not allowed to make dumb jokes about it when it's clearly begging to be made fun of for those of us with this limited maturity. How's that fair? So now I'm left with only to include it in the uncensored version of the podcast available only to our Patreon supporters. So here's the replacement joke. Patreon supporters, you can tell me which one is better. <clears throat> Moore also wore a wig in season one to try and further distance herself from Laura from Dick Van Dyke, though this was abandoned by season two because she kept on accidentally throwing her wig up in the air along with her hat at the end of the opening credits. Next question. Wait, Next. how did how did Keith really freeze? That was amazing. Did you just pose? Did you just hold that? I was like, damn, Keith. It's just what I do. <laughs> you got to be in the live studio audience to get the second part of this show, everybody. Next question is called, a guy's got to do what a girl's got to do. It's a television question. Tom Hanks is one of today's best known and best loved actors. Some of his younger fans might be surprised to learn that the two-time Academy Award winner got his first leading role on screen as a character who dresses in drag in order to live in an affordable, women-only housing. Our friend Amy said there was a great apartment in her building. Dirt cheap, but it's a hotel for women. Okay, we made one adjustment. And those fans would be missing out on the sheer joy that is the sitcom Bosom Buddies, co-starring Hanks and Peter Scolari. Chris Thompson, the showrunner for and head writer for Bosom Buddies, said he initially took the job for purely financial reasons, but that it quickly turned into his favorite experience in show business. With a network that largely remained hands-off, Thompson and his young cast were able to experiment with comedy and improvisation in a scripted show. Thompson described it as having $500,000 a week to play with. Here's the question. The show's original theme song was a sound-alike version of which Billy Joel song? This is not multiple choice, Chish. I just wanted to see the blood come out of your face when I said that. <laughs> well, yeah, because you gave multiple choice for something so easy before. And this one, I'm like, wait, I know this song, but I don't know that I know the title. This is my Judges life. Judges is okay if she sings it? Yeah, she I was totally. If she sings it? I don't care what you say anymore. This is my life. I know you have a lot of trivia about the trivia, but just so you know that in syndicate, they didn't have enough money for that song. And it's not that song. It's the song at the very end of the show. And it is terrible. <laughs> anyway, you're welcome. Judges. Well done, Trish. That's two points. The song is called My Life by Billy Joel. When the show was originally pitched to ABC, creators had no intention of adding the element of drag to the show, imagining it as a straightforward buddy comedy. In the pitch, however, they cited the legendary comic Billy Wilder as the inspiration. When asked to elaborate on that, they mentioned Billy Wilder's hit movie, Some Like It Hot, in which male co-star famously dressed in drag. The network agreed to pick up the show, but only if it involved men dressing in disguise as women. The producers made it work, or should I say they handed the project off to the team of Thompson, Hanks, and Scolari, who made it work. See, it's all perfectly normal. Well done, Trish. The next question is called Jiggle TV, which surprisingly is a television question. Once upon a time, there were three little girls who went to the police academy. One in Los Angeles. One in San Francisco. The other in Boston. Jiggle TV was the sexist and derogatory name given to the show Charlie's Angels by critics and viewers who were offended by the Angels' emphasized sexuality. But this critique is dismissive and doesn't take into account how iconic Charlie Angels were to young women at the time. Sure, the show didn't shy away from the glamour and sex appeal of the three main characters, but the women that made up Charlie's Angels were smart, strong, capable, and had been undervalued as cops. But I took them away from all that, and now they work for me. My name is Charlie. During the show's run, the three women that made up Charlie's Angels changed several times due to contract disputes with some of the actors. Most notably, Farrah Fawcett exited the show after just one season despite the network's attempts to keep her. When it was accepted that Farrah Fawcett was not coming back, the show cast Cheryl Ladd as a semi-replacement for Fawcett's character, Jill Monroe. The show wanted to ride the momentum of Fawcett's popularity as much as possible, 
Here's the question. So what role was Cheryl Ladd given in the show? This is a multiple choice. Was she A, a direct recast for Fawcett, also playing the role of Jill Monroe? B, Jill's long-lost cousin, Rachel Monroe? C, the younger sister of Jill, Chris Monroe? D, the secret love child of Charlie and Jill, Stacy Monroe? Or is it E, Lat was the older sister of Jim J. Bullock's character, Monroe, from the show Too Close for Comfort? Uh, first of all, those are the best uh, multiple choice ever for <laughs> this question. But the answer, Zabe, is C, Chris Monroe, her sister. That, that is, of course, correct. Well done, Trish. I think you've got a perfect score going for you so far. I didn't win this just because I was a pretty face there, Zabe. Okay. Okay. Trish, I'm so <laughs> glad that you're bringing visual aids to an audio format. That's really adding to the podcast. Thank you so much. Uh, especially one that makes noise for crying out loud. <laughs> I know. What is wrong with me? I already played that one. Yep. You got to put it up to the microphone too. That helps. That's Here's my the fun one. fact. Cheryl Ladd was cast as Chris Monroe, Jill's little sister who moved from San Francisco. In the show, Charlie is never seen full face and is usually only seen from behind if he's seen at all. This is in part to keeping Charlie a mystery, but also because Charlie was voiced by the famous TV and movie actor, John Forsythe. My name is Charlie. The role was offered to him in a panicky late night phone call from one of the executive producers after the original voice actor showed up too drunk to do his lines. According to Forsythe, he didn't even take his pajamas off. He just put on his top coat, drove to the studio, read his lines, and went home and back to bed. I was rooting so hard for option E to be true, since I would love to think that Too Close for Comfort was really a spinoff show from Charlie's Angels. Why does it always have to be on the phone? Why can't we ever see Charlie? I believe that was very clearly spelled out when you were hired. Nobody sees Charlie except me. I know that, but to work for a man you've never laid eyes on seems so impersonal. And you, Miss Monroe, would like to make it personal? Come on, be a pal. I can't tell you how many hours I've spent lying in bed trying to put a face and a body on that voice. The next question is called Happy, Happy, Joy, Joy. This is a television question. When it comes to the world of animation, no one can deny how influential the Ren and Stimpy show is. Known for pushing animation, comedy, and censorship boundaries, Ren and Stimpy... Stimpy. What? Ren and Stimpy was hugely popular with counterculture in the early 90s and remains so today. Here's a question. Premiering alongside Doug and Rugrats, in what year did the Ren and Stimpy show first air on Nickelodeon? Is it A? 1995, B, 1991, C, 1989, or is it D, 1969? 69, dudes. Uh, well, obviously it's 1995. And if Michael and Dana can remember, I just talked about Ren and you're on mute, Trish, as you're screaming your head off. Right, because I'm not trying to like blow everyone's ears oh, out. Okay, it, this it is can't a family be, show. It can't be 1991. Are you kidding me? That's not even. That's not the even judges okay. don't lie. Are you, are you saying the judges don't know their calendars? I'm saying that maybe they're on mushrooms too. Although he does look like he's been around a mushroom or two. Well, I graduated in 1991, and I I have a firm memory of watching that show as as a graduate of high school. So I don't think I would have watched it in 1995. So. Uh, we're going to go with the judge's ruling. The official answer is 1991 for everyone's score. You're an idiot. The Ren and Stimpy show remains a cult classic, especially among animation enthusiasts. In fact, when it was on the air, Matt Groening said it was the only good cartoon on TV other than The Simpsons. Mike Judge credits the sh success of Ren and Stimpy as the reason why MTV was willing to commission Beavis and Butthead. And who would have wanted to go through life without all the cultural contributions of Beavis and Butthead? The world's largest site of petrified wood. <laughs> wood. <laughs> you may wonder, how can wood get so hard? <laughs> well, the wood became hard over two million years ago. Next question is called Get Busy Living or Get Busy Dying. It is a movie question. 
The Shawshank Redemption is a 1994 drama that was based on a novella by Stephen King about a man sentenced to life in prison in spite of his repeated claims that he is innocent. Starting in 1947, the two decades that Andy Dufresne serves in Shawshank State Penitentiary, he befriends his fellow inmate Red and maintains a generally positive attitude, citing hope as what drives him and keeps him going. It's kind of the theme of the whole movie, really, hope. Towards the end of the movie, though, when it seems as though even Andy is losing hope, a plot twist occurs, and it is revealed that Andy has been digging a tunnel out of prison. Spoiler alert. Hidden behind a large pinup poster in his cell, he escapes and eventually meets Red and meets him up at Zihuatanejo, Mexico. Zihuatanejo. Thank you. The poster in Andy's cell changes over time during his 19 years in prison and line up with the sex symbols of the time. First, the poster is of Rita Hayworth, and then later, Marilyn Monroe. When it is finally revealed that the poster is hiding the tunnel, who is pictured? This is a multiple choice, Trish, to help you out just in case you need it. Is it A, Raquel Welch? B, Brigitte Bardot? C, Sophia Loren? Or is it D, Natalie Wood? (laughs) (laughs) Wood. Uh, nah, Natalie Wood. No, I'm just kidding. Like that would be so weird. I'm sorry, uh, it's not Natalie Wood, Trish. No, I'm not. I I'm just kidding. Just, I'm teasing. Oh you. I'm my teasing. god! <laughs> <laughs> Look at how serious I take this game, y'all. Like this is. I'm, I'm not teasing. messing around I'm here. Teasing. Um, it is Raquel Welch. Raquel Welch is correct. Well done. Here's the fun fact: Shawshank Redemption was not a financial success but it received wide critical acclaim and received seven Academy Award nominations. Its mediocre box office performance is sometimes credited to its competition with Pulp Fiction and Forrest Gump, but the story and excellent performances by Tim Robbins and Morgan Freeman ensured that this movie became a classic. Remember, Red, hope is a good thing, maybe the best of things, and no good thing ever dies. I will be hoping that this letter finds you and finds you well. Your friend, Andy. So with the end of round one, Trish, you have how many points, Robin? Trish has eight points. Eight points out of a possible 10. Not bad. Before we start round two, let's take another listen to The Power Struggle. to this episode is a game called Gen X Voice, surprisingly enough. Shout out to our special guest, Trisha Dish, for letting us use the name of her podcast as the name of this game. In the spirit of her show that celebrates the voices of Generation X, we are going to listen to five clips of famous voices of the Generation timeline, and you have to tell me whose voice it belongs to. So we're looking for the name of the person speaking here. Each correct answer is worth two points. Good luck, Trish. Here's your voice number one. This clip was taken from a movie from 1980. What iconic Gen X voice does this belong to? Oh, I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. I'm strong to the finish because I eat my spinach. I'm Popeye the Sailor Man. Uh, I think my, my friend Michael there would kill me if I got this wrong, but it's Robin Williams. Michael, congratulations. You don't have to kill your friend. That is correct. When it comes to bringing the iconic character of Popeye to life, Hollywood turned to the one and only man who they thought could possibly do it, Dustin Hoffman. But after Mr. Hoffman left the project due to creative differences, they hired Robin Williams and the rest is history. Looking back now, it's hard to think of anyone other than Robin Williams to play Popeye. Well done, Trish. You got that one. Let's move on to clip number two. This clip was taken from an interview with no date provided. Name this Gen X voice. I did a score for Robert Altman called Images, which was all about Japanese sounds. And that's the music that Stephen thought he should have something for Jaws. And he came to my room at Fox Studios and he, what are you going to do for the shark? And I played E, F, E, F, E, F, D, F. It's all. <laughs> and, and he said, you can't be serious. What legend does that voice belong to? I feel like my Michael is going to kill me because I'm going to get this wrong. Don't um, forget, Trish. You also have your whatever oh, lifeline if you want to. I'm not suggesting it. But I'm saying I you forgot. Could. The ship Michael, falls apart if you don't use it. 
I'm just. How saying. are you feeling about this? Surely you know who it is. Don't call me Shirley. I think I'm going to throw it out to him because I think it's worth it. But I tell you what, if it's one of two people. And so if he gets it wrong and I would have gotten it right, Michael, you're going to owe me some beer. I thought you were going to say mushrooms. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, we don't do that anymore. But yeah. Okay. <laughs> Michael, I'm passing it to you, brother. Okay. Michael, let's. She's using her whatever lifeline. You have to give her a clue. You can't say what the answer is, but you have to give her a clue as to what the answer is. If you think you know it, that's right. She doesn't get, yeah, that's right. Trish, you can swear all you want off air. Here's your whatever lifeline. Whatever. Whatever. I was going to give the answer, but a clue. First name rhymes with Tron. Yeah. Okay. I was going to say John Williams. So I thought you were going to say John Bon Jovi. As it rhymes with- <laughs> Tron and no, Bond. he didn't do film scores. Come on, Zeb. John Williams is correct. Well done. Okay, so let's move on to clip number three. Everyone having a good time? Is this fun? Is this a good time? Woo! Just so All everyone right. knows that's listening, everyone is raising their hands. And there was much rejoicing. Woo! <laughs> okay, let's move on to clip number three. Uh, this clip was taken from a commercial from the mid-80s. Whose Gen X voice is this? There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rule number one, never run out of Colt 45. Rule number two, never forget rule number one. I mean, there's only one person that I even think when I hear that voice, and that's Christopher Walken, but I don't know if that's true because Paul Powers looks like he's saying, you idiots. So I feel terrible. And Keith just came off mute to ream me as well. (laughs) Nope. Neither one of them. Okay, they're not. They're just making faces. Okay, me. Trish, what's your what's your official answer? No, it is Christopher Walken. Oh, really? You're going with that? Okay. Yeah. That is incorrect. I'm yeah. so sorry. Does someone from our live studio audience want to answer this one? Who do we got? I see Jason Conway, two-time champ, Jason Conway. Going with going with what seems to be a theme of the last name. Would that be Billy D. Williams? Billy D. Williams is correct. I don't claim you can have a better time with Colt 45 than without it. But why take chances? Yes. Well done, Jason. I forgot about your sneaky little linear thinking. Ah, for Farvig Nugan. Let's see if that helps you as we go to clip number four. See if the trend can continue. This clip was taken from the late 70s, early 80s. And we're looking for the name of the woman speaking in this clip. Only the woman. Here we go. You'll hear two voices. Who's the lady? Seashell, I can hardly wait till we get started on our first kid. What do you want? A boy? Oh, my God. (laughs) I want a gun. gun. What showbiz legend, kind of, is that? She was a legend in my house growing up. And you can't just say Williams, by the way. Just letting you know. Well, yeah, I mean, obviously. (laughs) Miss Williams is not the correct answer. Judges, would that be accepted? No, okay, that's not true. Who's that woman speaking? Who's that girl? Man, I feel like that's Laverne and Shirley. And I cannot remember. I mean, I only remember Penny Marshall. I don't remember the other chick. I am a lady. If you say I'm not, I'll bump you. I know. I know. I'm so close. So I think maybe I will guess it's Sandy Williams. <laughs> Shit. What's that name? Cheryl Williams. <laughs> uh, we've already used the whatever lifelines. It's too bad Marsha and Jan aren't in the live studio audience to help you out. I've got a secret. I've got a secret. I want the last final answer, though, Trish. <sighs> I don't have a name. I can't believe this. Like, I feel... I can see her name like she's doing the thing with the door with Penny Marshall. But yeah, when you listen to this episode, you're going to kick yourself. But go ahead. I am so going to like, you don't even know. Like, I'm so mad at myself right now. I was a real dumb dumb. Judges, let's put her out of her. Michael's making hand gestures at me. Uh, Pencil, pen, Penny Williams. Yeah, no, I don't know. (sighs) I'm sorry. That's incorrect. Cindy Williams, Cindy, Cindy Williams, the great Cindy the Williams, most basic the, name of the yeah. era. I think you missed the hints I gave you that Marsha and Jan are not in the live studio audience. Hi, I'm Cindy. What's your name? I was trying to throw you a bone. 
Sorry, Trish. You, that was such a nice bone. And you know, just <clears throat> five steps behind you, Zay. Yeah. So far, we've had Robin Williams, John Williams, Billy D. Williams, and now Cindy Williams. As we go to the last clip, the final clip is from an 80s icon. Let's see if you can name this last Gen X voice. My next group will really please the women. That's right. And we're here to please the women. All guys up on stage now. All guys, 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 guys. Get the guys up here right now, or I'll come down here and get you. What are you doing, sir? Oh, well, if you get to take pictures, I get to take your top off. Steve, I feel like my brain is dead. I don't recognize that at all. You don't recognize that voice? I didn't have cable very often in the- well, in Good the... thing he wasn't on cable. Oh. <laughs> Oh, oh, oh my gosh. I know who this is. Richard. No, that's Richard Simmons. Darn it. I don't know. No, I Williams Montel Montel Williams. I am not Montel Williams. I I started so strong. Can we do a reboot? (laughs) Like, oh, I mean, reboot your answer (laughs) if you want to. No, there's no, I've never heard that. And I don't think you understand like where Michael and I grew up, like we had three channels. Like I didn't even have like real basic. This dude was on one of those three channels. <laughs> yeah, no. Williams, William Shatner. You make, me feel like, you make me feel like a jerk right now, Trish. <laughs> Be a jerk. It's funny. No, no, no. I, I mean, nice guy. No, nope. I, I I feel like a jerk now because I can't I can't do it I can't do it Zabe I'm so you can't are you saying you don't know I'm if you saying, say I don't know you get slimed. no I'm not saying that okay I'm not saying that I'm not getting slimed over here right. um his name was Jacob Williams oh true Jacob Williams uh daytime show I'm so I'm so sad you already used your whatever lifeline mm. live studio audience should she get that or should she not get that she, she said the words it. she said she said it. the words. Yeah. She said the words. She said the name. She didn't commit. That's true. What the heck? being the Russian judge here. It was in there. It It was was in there. Scottish judge gives her a 10. I say give it to her. Okay. Fan favorite Robert says give it to her. We're going to give it to you, Trish. Well done. It was Richard Simmons. Wait, (laughs) how could it be Richard Simmons if it wasn't a Williams name? Because no one said it had to be a Williams name. (laughs) Never mind. Don't give it to her. Oh, that's why I felt like a jerk, Trish, (laughs) because I set you up and then you fell for the trap. Everything is proceeding as I have foreseen. I really did. I don't think you would. I feel like a jerk now. I'm like, it's all I could only be Richard Simmons, but he doesn't have a. Oh, you guys are so nice. Thank you. Can I say how excited I am to know I have this kind of power? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, you're going to score high on this episode if I have my way. (laughs) Okay, so that's the end of round two. Let's get a scoring update from Robin. All right, we got 15 for Trish. Well done, Trish. Possible 20, you're at fitting. No, I'm so sorry, 14. (laughs) I'm so sorry, 14. Terrible at math. Yeah, no, that was a terrible round and everybody knows it. Don't placate it by being like, great job. No, that was the worst job. It's okay. Trish, you did horrible in that round. We're going to take another listen to the Power Struggle clip before we start round three. But before we do that, let's hear a quick word from our sponsor. Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner will return after these messages. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. If you're enjoying the show so far, please consider giving us a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from and subscribing for future episodes. 
The only way a show like this gets anywhere in the podcasting world is by positive reviews and word of mouth among friends. So if you're so inclined, please help spread the word about the podcast and share it with that special Gen Xer in your life. We'd love to have you as a friend of the show. Thanks so much. And now back to Bugs Bunny and the Roadrunner. Let's take another listen to The Power Struggle. The Power Struggle. three today is a game called satanic panic could it be Gen X was no stranger to pearl clutching parents who lost their mind when they learned what backmasking was after that it seemed like the devil was hiding everywhere in pop culture and the satanic panic was born for this game i'll play parts of five popular Gen X songs and you need to give me the artist and title of those songs however to honor those overprotective parents we're going to play the songs backwards and unlike our parents, not hear any messages from Satan. Satan. Score yourself one point for artist and one point for title. Two points possible for each of these since it's a little bit difficult. Here we go. Here's song number one. It's from 1986. And Google tells me it's a hip hop slash rap song. Oh yeah, that's so easy. Well, let the song play so everyone can hear it, Trish, before you give the answer. It's hard. It's hard to not hit the buzzer when you know the answer, (laughs) especially when you bombed the last round. So fair enough. enough. Anyway, for those who didn't hear me over the thing, and hopefully you can re you know edit that out because this is the world's most edited podcast. (laughs) Wink wink. It's salt and pepper. Push it. Let's see if she's right. That's correct, Trish. Well done. Woot. Here's the fun fact. Before becoming Salt in Peppa, they were just known as Cheryl Salt James and Sandra Peppa Denton. They were two college students who met at Queensboro Community College. While there, James invited Denton to start a new job making sales calls at a local Sears. Oddly enough, the pair weren't the only stars in the making who worked there. Future hip-hop duo Kid and Play also worked at the call center, along with aspiring comedian Martin Lawrence. With cubicles right next to one another, all of them had big dreams, which would eventually become realities. And although James was less than impressed with Lawrence's jokes in the office, she and Denton made a pact with the budding comedian, saying, whoever gets put on first will put the other on. Salt and Peppa stayed true to their word, eventually having Lawrence open for them at a Manhattan nightclub called Inferno. Good karma there, Salt and Peppa. Real good. Song two is from 1984. It is a pop song. And Trish... I know you're going to get excited and want to hit the buzzer, but let the music play and we're going to, we're going to go to this. Okay, here it is backwards. Who is that? That is Material Girl by Madonna. And can I just say... That's the dopest version of that song I have ever heard. I would love to hear that over some deep drum and bass like that. The raver in me like once that's so hard, like that was terrific. Let's see if she's correct. I'm material, I'm material, I'm material, I'm material Well done, Trish. That is, of course, correct. The song and video were widely misinterpreted as Madonna playing a capricious gold digger. The video concept was Madonna as an actress playing in this role. But as soon as she's off camera, she's a regular gal who likes the simple things. We see her drive off with a regular dude in a crappy truck clutching daisies that he gave her earlier. 
The irony was lost on or ignored by journalists looking for a storyline or moniker for Madonna. So the name and image kind of stuck. Later, I think she kind of leaned into it a little bit, but I don't think that was her intention as she went into it. Moving on to song number three it is from 1986, and it is an R&B pop song. Here it is backwards. Come on. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. Totally joking. This is like, I, I know that's Prince. Like, like no one in the world goes, ah, like that. I can't even do it. See, see. No one um, else in the world. Checks out. Judges. 1986. Okay. Like, I can't. Oh, uh, I mean, ah, and it's so weird. Like, I don't think of him as R&B. So, he, like, you totally flipped my brain around because I'm like, Jodeci? Like, <laughs> I don't know. I'm just going to say a random Print song that I think was big in '86, Kiss. Let's play it and see if she's right. Yeah, you don't have to be Kiss. Well done, Trish. That is major major luck right there oh feel better God. now about that last round uh yeah i mean music i had access to tv uh movies uh maybe not so much so yeah this this i was feeling much better about this round on the week kiss hit number one on the billboard hot 100 chart the number two hit was also a song written by prince which was the bangles hit manic monday okay song number four is from 1992 Google tells me that this is an alternative rock song that is both a grunge and post-grunge song at the same time. I'm not sure if that info will help you at all, but here we go. Trish? This is my fourth favorite band of all time. Outside of the Holy Trinity, there is only one Tom York, Radiohead, and Creep. Let's see if she's right. I wish I was special, but I'm a creep. I'm a And finally, our last song was released as a single in 1989, ahead of the album released in 1990. It is an alternative rock slash electronic rock song. Just for you, Trish, let's see if you can get this one. What do you got? Uh, that is the one and only, the greatest, the pinnacle of the Holy Trilogy, David Kahan and Depeche Mode personal jesus let's see if she's right reach out touch face i should use that as the correct answer that first part that boom, boom, instead of the 
sound effect from now on. Yes. <laughs> That'd be legit. Yes. And Dave, <laughs> thank you so much. I love, cause you know, I'm wearing a Foo Fighter shirt today, but last time, you know, I came rocking my Depeche Mode shirt and I slaughtered my friend Gabriel in the <laughs> Depeche Mode round. So right, you did. DM forever. Thank you. Here's the fun fact. Many people speculated that the song was about the commercialization of religion, especially in the U.S., where evangelists would solicit for monetary donations constantly on TV. We're looking at you, Jim Baker. However, Martin Gore explained that the lyrics were actually based on an autobiography called Elvis and Me by Priscilla Presley. Condolences on your recent loss, Priscilla. Martin Gore explained that it's a song about being a Jesus for somebody else somebody to give you hope and care and how it can be an unbalanced view of love and relationships when you put someone on such a high pedestal. To plug the single, the Peshmo's label placed personal ads in some local newspapers with only the words, your own personal Jesus and a London phone number. When called, they could hear the new track, which is pretty cool. Our two British listeners are lucky. They get the Peshmo phone numbers to call. And all we get here in the States is Sir Mix-a-Lot. We'll take one last listen to the Power Struggle question, and then we'll get your answer, Trish. So this is your final listen, and let's see if you can get it. So Trish, let's go one through five and you tell me what these five Gen X clips are. Okay. This was a little harder than I thought it would be. Number one is definitely Inspector Gadget. And then it gets real weak again until it gets to the last one. I was like, I don't know, like what was a pew pew kind of thing that wasn't Star Wars? And I just, I landed on Transformers. I know that's probably not right. I'm a big Star Wars fan. There are seven pew pew things in Star Wars. Just to Thank answer your you. question. Thank okay. you. Uh, the other one sounded like, uh, to be really honest, it sounded like the band Blur. And I didn't know where that, why, I don't know. So that I knew that wasn't anything. And then Bionic Woman. And then of course, huh, 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 Three Amigos. Once again, the visual aid is helpful. Those sound effects, though, I think everyone knows what you're, what you're doing there. Judges, are these the correct five for the power struggle? That is incorrect. I'm sorry. That means we turn this over to the listeners to see if they can get it correct and claim the prize package. To enter for a chance to claim that generous prize package, you can join our newsletter and there will be a place for you to send in your answers to the question. All correct entries will be put into a quarterly drawing to win the prize package. Since this is a podcast and there is a delay from the point from which it's downloaded to when it's listened by our by, by you, we decided that it'd be best to wait and give more people time to play and send in their entries. So we will combine the entries of several shows into one drawing per quarter and give out more chances for people to win. Details on how to join the newsletter can be found in the show notes for this episode, or you can contact the show directly at whowillsaygenx at gmail.com. And I promise to write you back with all the details you could ever want. Good luck. The prize package this episode includes a handsome certificate with your name on it, signifying that you are doing your part to save Generation X from fading into oblivion, as well as your name going up in our Gen X yearbook on our website. Next is perhaps the best item in the prize package, which is a hand-picked selection of vintage-smelling scratch-and-sniff stickers. Back in the day, our teachers did not give us much love and support as they do now. The only way we knew that we were doing okay is if we received a fragrance sticker that we could claw at for some sort of validation of our existence. And finally, we'll send you your choice of Who Will Save Generation X t-shirt from our merch store. Good luck, everybody. Trish, first of all, thank you so much for lending your time and talents to the podcast. Did you have a good time on the show? Yes. And can I just say, I love the fact that you still use the Gen, Gen X voice um, section of your podcast. And it's so great to be putting my podcast stuff back together to hang out with you tonight. And who knows, maybe I'll start up the old podcast again. But if anyone's curious about that podcast, by the way, you can go to genxvoice.com and, you know, bother me on my, you know, email that I only opened up for the first time in a year today 
at Trish the Dish at GenXVoice.com. There's at least a couple years of backlog of of shows. So I don't know. Just save you're the best. And I love your podcast. I love everything that you do. And also I'll explain. And I'll use small words so that you'll be sure to understand you warthog-faced buffoon. I'm not sure those two sentences go well together, but I will <laughs> accept the compliment nonetheless. I have a confession to make, Trish. This whole episode is nothing more than a ploy to get you back in front of a microphone to restart your podcast. I knew you'd have to put together your your headphones and your microphone and just sometimes just getting a little push can get the momentum going to get back in the swing of things. Your show is important, I think, and you got something to say, and I appreciated it from the moment I first listened to it. So, um, Trish, I hope you'll restart your show. And um, if you don't, I'll be sad. Thank you. Hey, you got a lot of rad Gen Xers sitting in the audience. So, you know, a great way to get me to start up again is freaking email me and tell me that you want to be on the show. Okay. Letter writing campaign begins. Trish, I have to say something. It's Aaliyah. We haven't met, but when, Hi, you, when you answered the first Betty White question, I was like, I like her a lot. So I just wanted to throw that out there. You had me. I didn't care oh. how you answered the rest of the questions. Oh, <laughs> so good you job. You had me at Betty White, Aaliyah. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> Aaliyah, can you give us one really quick everybody dance now? Oh, of course. Everybody dance now. Boom. Thank you, Aaliyah. <laughs> You're, no problem. <laughs> I'm trying to get that to stick. We'll see. Oh, God, um, please. <laughs> I will now mute myself. Goodbye. <laughs> The following program contains adult themes which may be unsuitable for children. Parental discretion is advised. All right, everybody. Do you remember your score? There were 30 points available, but let's see how well you did and then get the grades and ranks for the quiz. Okay, remember I prefaced this by saying this is the dirtiest episode we've ever done. So, uh, you know, let's see if I get canceled after this. Here we go. The following movie has been rated R. This indicates that it contains material of an adult nature. For further information, please consult your program guide. HBO will show this feature only at night. If you're playing against our special guest and scored less than, Robin? 24. Then you let Trish the Dish beat you, and you may want to go back and brush up your memories of your youth. You know, we mentioned Dick Van Dyke earlier in the show. And so for the ranks this episode, there is a 0% chance we would pass up the opportunity to use the Gen X Dicks scoring system for grading the quiz today. All the ranks will be from contributions to Generation X by these famous dicks. The following program contains scenes and language of a frank and explicit nature. Viewer discretion is advised. A score of 27 to 30 points is the grade of an A, and that earns you the rank of the man himself that started this whole thing off, Mr. Dick Van Dyke. Dick may be old, wrinkly, and have gray hair now, but growing up, he was always a fun-loving comedian who always could make us laugh. Seemed like Dick was always making guest appearances on the shows we were watching growing up, like Scooby-Doo, The Carol Burnett Show, and Airwolf. But younger generations unfamiliar with Dick would take one look at the name Dick Van Dyke and might think that he's a porn star. If you were from Gen Z and read that some dude named Dick Van Dyke was in a movie titled Chitty Chitty Bang Bang, Some Kind of Nut Fits Willie, and finally, Curious George, then you might think twice, too. I mean, it's not like Mary Poppins sounded so innocent, either. Ah, uh, Mrs. Corey, a story for you. Your daughters were shorter than you, but they grew. I'm sorry, where was I? Congrats on your A. You're doing your part to save Generation X. Well done. Is hey, Abe? Yes. Sorry to pop up with a couple uh, Richard questions, but um, I feel like you missed an opportunity when you made the reference to Mary Poppins and Dick Van Dyke. Didn't he use a terrible Cockney accent? Anyway, just throwing <laughs> these things out there for you. Uh, you know, congratulations on two years. It's amazing. Great longevity. Great stamina. Why does everyone look at me like that? <laughs> anyway, thank you so much. Viewer discretion is advised. A score of 24 to 26 points is enough for a B and the rank of the great Dick Van Patten. Dick might be best known for his role as patriarch Tom Bradford on the TV show It Is Enough, but younger members of Generation X might know him better as the king of Druidia in Spaceballs. 
He was another dick that was always popping up in Generation X era TV. Happy Days, Wonder Woman, The Love Boat, Chips. You could not change the channel in the 70s and 80s without seeing Dick's bald head all over your TV. Known offset as a kind and generous man, he would often tell his TV kids on It Is Enough that during the 70s and 80s were, quote, remember our times together, gang, because these are the good old days. Ain't that the truth, Dick? Ain't that the truth? I've always said, if you can't be a Dick Van Dyke, be a Dick Van Patten. And for that, this Dick is a solid B. The combination is one. 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 Two. 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 Three. 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 Four. 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 Five. 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 So the combination is one, two, three, four, five. That's the stupidest combination I ever heard in my life. That's the kind of thing an idiot would have on his luggage. This program is intended for mature audiences. Parental discretion is advised. A score of 21 to 23 points is enough for a C, but coming up with the right dick here is hard. There are plenty of Gen X dicks to choose from. Dick Clark, Dick Cavett, surf guitar legend Dick Dale. Or do we go with Batman's dick, Dick Grayson? No, for a C, we went with a dick you might not have a firm grasp on, but you would recognize this dick's handiwork anywhere. A C this episode earns you the rank of Dick Warlock. Who's that, you might ask? The name might not <laughs> ring a bell, but Dick Warlock was the stuntman in everything from Blazing Saddles and Jaws to Escape from New York and Big Trouble in Little China. In fact, he was Kurt Russell's personal body double for over 25 years. However, his most famous role was that of Michael Myers from the Halloween franchise. So you saw this dick your whole life and you didn't even know it. Besides, with a badass name like Dick Warlock, how could he possibly lift off this list? And for that alone, we rank him as a C on this quiz. Viewer discretion is advised. A score of 18 to 20 Babe, points. Is, yes. Got to slow down a little bit, man. You're getting really excited talking about all these dicks. It's a, it's a <laughs> lot of dicks, Zabe. Good note. Would yeah, you say I had a plethora of dicks to choose from? Oh, yes. <laughs> you have a plethora. You a have score, a, a plethora of dicks. Yes. <laughs> a score of 18 to 20 points is enough for a D, and that can only be either your choice of either Dick Sargent or Dick York. TV's Darren from Bewitched. Look, if you can tell these two dicks apart from one another, then you're a better man than I am. These interchangeable dicks would come and go without any warning when watching the show in syndication back in the 80s. One episode, Darren would be Dick Sargent. The next would be Dick York. Hey, you got to be able to keep your dicks in line. And for this, we give you a D here. Look at the cute little way she swings her hips. Larry! <laughs> I was talking about the monkey. <laughs> the following feature has been rated NG by the Motion Pictures Association of America. It has no redeeming value, content, or premise. There is no foul language, naughty bits, or racial slurs. There are no dweebs, boobs, nerds, or little bratty kids. And finally, if you scored 17 or less, well, that's a failing grade, I'm afraid. And along with this rank is the biggest dick fail of Generation X. I'm, of course, referring to Dick Buckus. From 1965 to 1973, there was perhaps no more terrifying sight for ball carriers than Dick Buckus. This Hall of Fame football player went on to be a, a recognizable actor in movies like Johnny Dangerously and Gremlins 2, The New Batch. He lived quite a successful life, but we assigned an F to him on the quiz day because A, people think he's still the guy who played the dad on TV's Webster, but mostly B, because come on, the dude's name is Dick Buckus. It's got to be the biggest dick fail of all Generation X. And as is this grade of an F for not getting more than 17 points on the quiz. I'm sure you'll do better in the next episode. This was just not your day. Hit it! Dick butt kiss. Who the hell would ever name their kid that? Dick butt kiss. It's dick butt kiss! Once again, I'd like to give a shout out to our special guest, Trish the Dish, as well as our live studio audience for being part of this episode and for celebrating our two-year anniversary. After the show, we're going to play some additional trivia games with the audience, and that will be available to listen to as bonus content for our Patreon supporters only. On a personal note, it has been a life-changing experience bringing this podcast to all of you over the last two years. I've learned a lot about our shared experiences of the past while making the show, but what has made the biggest impact in my life has been the new friends that I've made with those that have been listening to the show. Nearly everyone in the live studio audience tonight has been a stranger to me up until this point two years ago, and my heart is filled knowing that I can now call you not just listeners, but also my friends. Thanks for a wonderful last two years, and here's looking forward to more episodes that you might especially like. Especially like...
We hope you've enjoyed playing along this episode of The Home Game. If you're interested in supporting the show and giving us a little two-year birthday present, we have a Patreon account set up for those who would like to take advantage of the special rewards we give for becoming a Patreon supporter. We have recently upgraded our perks for our Patreon subscribers, so now is a better time than ever to join. However, if you just want to send us some appreciation for what we're trying to do here, we also offer our Venmo account, and you can send that to Who Will Save Gen X. Detailed information is available in the show notes for both of these ways to send some love to the show. If you have any questions, comments, comments or shout outs or would like to sign up to become a guest on the show you can email me at who will save gen x at gmail.com we'd love to hear your feedback and invite you to become a friend of the show well that's it for this edition of the home game thanks so much to all of you for listening wherever you are we'll be back with our regular version of the podcast in the next episode where we will once again ask the question who will save generation x later that is material girl by madonna and can i just say that's the dopest version of that song i have ever heard i would love to hear that over some deep drum and bass like that the raver in me like once that's so hard like that was terrific That was terrific. Save big money on your outdoor project now at Menards. We have everything you need to keep your outdoor power equipment running smooth so you can keep that lawn in tip-top shape or enjoy some time on your boat. Right now, all FVP, lawn and garden, and marine batteries are on sale through May 5th. Check out our entire selection of FVP batteries today and view our weekly flyer on Menards.com for more great deals. Save big money at